welcome to Hawaii's Best Podcast, where we help you prepare for your next trip to Hawaii. Discover the experiences, businesses, and stories that make Hawaii the Aloha State. And now your host, Brian Murphy. Welcome to episode 53 of Hawaii's Best, where we help prepare you for your next trip to Hawaii. I'm your host, Brian Murphy, the owner of Hawaii's Best, where we offer resources, tips, and local cultural insights to get the most out of your stay on the islands. You know, at the heart of every culture is its language, and that is especially true for Hawaii. And today, we are spoiled to be joined with one of my friends, Kahaniola Solitorio. He received his Bachelor of Arts degree in both Hawaiian language and Hawaiian studies and a master's degree in elementary education from the University of Hawaii at Manoa. Kaharimala is currently a Kumualelo Hawaii at the Kamehameha High School, Kapalama Campus, and is also a member of the Hawaiian musical group Kehaho. In 2020, Kaniola started his social media journey posting videos of himself teaching Olelo Hawaii to his mom. And from that point, his page has taken off and has followers all around the world. He has built a community of learners across the globe who participate in his free weekly classes hosted on Zoom and continues to collaborate with other businesses and organizations like Native Hawaiian Student Services to platform the Hawaiian language in all places possible. So right now, we're going to hear more about the history of the Hawaiian language and a little bit about the history of Hawaii. No matter where we travel, we should be aware of the culture that we're traveling into. And even being aware of your own culture is super important. Right now, we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk story with Kaniola from the island of Oahu. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. How are you doing? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what's today like for you. Yeah. Hello, my kako. My name is Kahanuola Solatorio. I am born and raised in Kevaluuka on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. I'm just lucky to live in Hawaii and to call myself Hawaiian. Currently, I'm a Hawaiian language teacher. I teach Hawaiian language at Kamehameha Schools, uh, the high school, and I'm also a musician, a Hawaiian musician with my group, Keoho, with my classmates, Zach and Nicholas Love. So I guess that's a little bit about my background. And today I'm feeling great <laughs> and I'm excited to be a part of this podcast. So thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate that, you and your time. And I can already tell just in our, our brief interaction, even going back to our Instagram messaging that you have a, a teacher's heart. Is that something that was instilled in you growing up or is that something that you learn and develop over time? Yeah, I hope that's a compliment. No, it is, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, I think, well, I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I was in high school. I didn't, it took me to college to figure out that I wanted to be a teacher, but I always loved learning and I always say that I'm going to be a, always going to be a lifelong learner, you know. I can never learn too much. So I think that's where the the teaching aspect came in. Mm-hmm. And then continuing on, I love teaching what I know. I mean, what's the point of learning something if you can't teach it? So yeah, I think that's my, my teacher's heart. That's where that comes in. <laughs> well, we were talking a little off air and mentioned that Hawaii's best is it's focused towards travelers and visitors to the islands. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about 
you know, where to stay, what to do, what not to do, and and how to travel, especially right now with Hawaii's Safe Travels program and how to navigate that. Really at the heart is putting Hawaii's culture, history, and so much of that is its language. You as a Hawaiian language teacher, now you're like, I wasn't sure I wanted to get into teaching, but you, you did it and you're really great at it. And then now teaching Hawaiian language. Talk a little bit about how that came up and came a part of your journey. Cool. After high school, I went to Kamehameha, where I currently teach. I continued on to the University of Hawaii at Manoa. At first, you know what's funny? I My first major was TIM, Travel Industry Management. So I just, I mean, part of me just loves traveling. Yeah. And then, you know, so it was TIM. And then I think after taking some classes, I was like, okay, maybe not. But, you know, that's how, col- that's how college goes. Yeah. Well, at and least I you learned it then, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still love traveling. Don't get me wrong. Right. I still love traveling. So after that, I went into major in Hawaiian language and Hawaiian studies, um, double major. Yeah, that's where, I mean, again, more of a passion for language. Uh-huh. For some of you who may not know, at a time in our history, Hawaiian language was banned from being spoken. So my parents, my grandparents didn't speak it. So when I told them that, I wanted to major in Hawaiian language, Hawaiian studies. They're like, no, hmm. well, there's no money in that. What are you going to do with that degree? For most people, maybe that might discourage you. But for me, it kind of pushed me. It's like, you know what? I'm going to do it and I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to do something with my Hawaiian language degree. And I'm glad that okay. I have avenues, not just one, but a few avenues where I can use that Hawaiian language expertise. You mentioned a lot there. And maybe for some listening, learning that the Hawaiian language was banned, it was back in 1896 Yeah, when the language was banned. Yeah. So 1896, it was banned from public school education, but I'm guessing it was a part of private school education as well, because mm. no one would be speaking it. And from what I understood during that time, Many of the students, if they spoke Hawaiian, they were punished. They were, mm. you know, corporal punishment was okay back then, but they were um, given detention or demerits, I'm guessing it was called back then. Yeah. You know, if that happens to you with your mother tongue, your native language, of course, you're going to be kaumaha. You're going to be sad. You're going to not have a good relationship with your language. So mm. a lot of those kupuna, those ancestors chose not to speak it and not to teach it to their children. So, yeah, I think that was the outcome of that Olala Hawaii being outlawed at that time. I'm sure there's so much more happening during that time period. And yeah. I would love to hear a little bit what maybe led up to the ban in 1896, but also the turmoil and everything that was going on during that period of history. If you could share some of that. Yes. So during that time, maybe about three years ago, in 1893, January 17th, the kingdom of Hawaii was illegally overthrown by the provisional government, which is like a smaller government group of the United States. And this is when they held Queen Liliuokalani at gunpoint at Iolani Palace, which, you know, can be a whole nother segment. But right. yeah, I think that really changed the whole dynamic of Hawaii at that time, because again, it was another sad moment in our history where our culture, our language, our identity was being ripped away from us and being forced upon by another government. Mm -hmm. And three years later, when they banned the language from being spoken, that was just another 
dagger to the heart of the Hawaiians because that is our identity as people, is a language. No matter where you come from, if you're from Europe, whatever language you speak, if you're from South America, that is your language, that's your identity. So it's a very troubling time during those 1893 to 18 to 1900s about. Right. Yeah. During that period and then leading up to this renaissance or resurgence, yeah. there's quite a bit of, of, of a gap there. Yeah, definitely. What was going on during that time? And then what was the catalyst to this renaissance? So during that time, you know, some wars were going on and Hawaii's landscape was changing, more modernized, more buildings, more American Western style living was coming to Hawaii. I don't want to say that many of the kupuna forgot the language, but they just kind of put it on the side for now. You know, they only spoke it in their house to maybe their husband or wife. They mm-hmm. wouldn't teach their kids. It was more of a secret language where you can only talk in the comfort of your own home, not out in public. But as you bring up the renaissance of the Hawaiian language, Hawaii became a state in 1959 on August 21st. And I think that might have been the catalyst for the Hawaiian renaissance to come up because, you know, we're officially a state and people were still kind of angry, still kind of hurt about it. So they're like, you know what, let's go back to our roots. Let's go back to our culture. And I appreciate all those people who at that time, they just did it for themselves and for their their nation, their people. So there's a lot of people that I can mention, but yeah, again, that's a whole other segment. <laughs> <laughs> so that led up to these trailblazers that yeah. put this back in the forefront. And when that renaissance was happening, was there tension on the other side of it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But obviously to get through that tension, maybe speak into that a little bit. Yeah. So like you said, um, a lot of trailblazers who they were receiving a lot of um, backlash and a lot of tension from, you know, many sides, not only from the government of Hawaii, but from even Hawaiian people. They're like, why are you going to share our culture so openly? Or why are you going to bring this out to the forefront? One example being Mary Kavena Pukui, who is a Hawaiian scholar, hula practitioner. She created our Hawaiian language dictionary. So she went around all the islands, gathered words from some of the kupuna who are still speaking that, you know, what is the word for a cloud, this certain cloud, or for a mountain. Mm. So she created our dictionary. And a lot of the people were like, why are you sharing our culture? Why are you making all of this public? This is something for us. But I think she just thought about us living now, you know? Right. If she didn't do that then, then I think our our language would be dead. Wow. Definitely. So I'm glad she fought against those oppressions. So again, a lot of people were having a resurgence of not only language, but also cultural activities like sailing. Our first canoe, Kokulea, made its voyage during that time. Hula was making a comeback. Arts like laohala making and just so many things. So it was in 1978 when Hawaiian was officially recognized as an official language in Hawaii. And I think we're the only state that has something besides English as our official language. So we have English and Hawaiian. I think that was another major stepping point because it showed that our language at one time was not even being spoken, but now it's an official language. You cannot take that away now. We can write your checks in Hawaiian. You can do official business in Hawaiian in the court. So yeah, I think that was another major milestone in our Hawaiian language history that's important to highlight. That's huge. Yeah. Obviously, the language being taught within schools 
was that kind of around the same time? 78 is when you started seeing that coming back into the schools? Yeah, around the 80s, maybe the mid 80s was when our first Hawaiian language preschool was formed. And that's the Punanaleo. It's pretty much a Hawaiian language immersion preschool where their main focus is to just speak Hawaiian. Mm -hmm. That's when you have to kind of mold your kids during that time is maybe the elementary toddler age, especially with languages, because if you get it at that age, if they get it at that age and they can just remember it and continue it on throughout their years, then it's very maikai. So that was a big milestone too, when our first Hawaiian language immersion program for preschool and then also the university started creating BA programs in Hawaiian language and Hawaiian studies. Great. Those trailblazers that you spoke of started this and put this all in motion and now Hawaiian being the official language of Hawaii. What's the current climate like? Is there still a group that would rather prefer to not have that be or is it pretty much well accepted? I'm sure there's still some naysayers and I could speak for some of my family members. There's still some naysayers out there, but with the use and the availability of social media and Mm -hmm. different technologies, I think it's more accepted and more normalized now because you can see it in Facebook, you can see it on Instagram, you can there's apps in Hawaiian. It's a duolingo. So that was another thing at the time was the availability of the language. Some people didn't have access to learning it. So they just was like, oh, okay, I don't guess I don't need to learn it since I don't have the access. But now, especially, I'm like, I really appreciate Instagram because that is my main form of communication that I get lessons out and teach Hawaiian through Instagram. So yeah, there's no excuse. You know, you cannot say, oh, it's not available because, <laughs> you know, our phones are our best friends now. So we're always going to have something in our hand where we can have access, you know. You mentioned Instagram and we were both at the residence in. Yeah. At the same time, we didn't get to connect during that time, but I happened to notice that, you know, you were at the residence and went onto your Instagram page and was blown away of how much, not only the amount of content, but the depth of content that you are producing and and putting out there. And your account has grown crazily, right? And like only a year or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a year. Um, where we've been doing Instagram and it's me and my mom, which we affectionately call our student cousin Cappy. But <laughs> it's funny because it's, it was kind of that 180 moment for her because she was the very one telling me not to go into language, not to learn. And then now I'm teaching it to her. So yeah, it's very, it was very emotional when we started because it was just like, now she can speak the language that she didn't want her children to speak. And you, you taught her. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's incredible. I mean, she's a good student. She's kind of <laughs> rascal. She's kind of, you know, if, if it was real school, she'd be getting an F, but <laughs> she's my mother. So she's getting right. an A plus plus. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned you also, you host free Zoom lessons, classroom sessions. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been doing that? This was actually brought up because of the pandemic. So maybe around October of 2020 is when we started. And I just put out like a flyer saying, are people interested in learning? And I got so much response. So that's why I started it. And thanks to Zoom, you know, it can connect people from all over the world. So I have people joining us from Mexico, Florida, which means it's 2, p- 2 a.m. when we're doing your class like or whatever six hours or something like that yeah right? <laughs> yeah so it's kind of crazy but it just shows again that people now that there's accessible ways to learn language they're going to jump on it and take it so 
I've noticed that a lot of students in my class that are from foreign countries are hula dancers because hula has definitely become worldwide right. popular. So I think that's another thing that, you know, another way for them to get connected to the culture, not only the hula, but the language mm-hmm. in relation to the hula. So, so yeah, it's a blessing. This is maybe a personal question. You don't have to answer it. Yeah. Obviously, you don't have to answer any of these questions. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you mentioned there's there's people who log on across the world and people who are following your Instagram account. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Hawaiian language is such a precious language and a, a sacred language to people of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. How open or what is the posture for someone of another culture to be learning the Hawaiian language? Yeah. Great question. And I am going to answer it because it's very important. For me, I think it's very, I don't want to say it's a tricky question, but it depends on what the purpose is. You know, some people have good intentions when learning a language. They just want to learn it because they live in Hawaii. They're not Hawaiian, but they want to be connected to the culture and the, the people. For other people, they may be using it for personal gain, for money, monetary value. But for me, I always say that if you're going to choose to live in Hawaii, if you're Hawaiian or not, you have a responsibility to learn the language because that's just your responsibility as a person that's going to choose to live in Hawaii or even travel to Hawaii. You know, if it's just a few words, that's something, you know, Mm -hmm. but some people, I mean, as we're talking about tourism, some people still think that mahalo means trash because it's on some trash can so they're like oh mahalo must be trash because i'm putting it in the oh, trash really? can i've now. never okay never yeah. Heard that. yeah it's maybe not so much nowadays but definitely when sense, i was growing though. up yeah yeah it, it does make sense because you think oh i'm putting it in a trash can okay that's trash but even if you're learning mahalo as thank you you know that's great or trash as opala then that's something that you can learn and hopefully teach your family and friends mm-hmm. But that's a great question. And one great example that I like to use is um, his name is Pokia Nogomeyer. And he is not Hawaiian, but he he took on the responsibility to learn and, you know, just dove into the language. And he was one of my teachers. So I really appreciate him and all of his hard work. That's cool. What other words would you put out there that yeah to learn to know? Great question. So one good one would be Kahakai. And if you want to hope or repeat after me, Kahakai. Kahakai. Yeah. So Kahakai means beach. And maybe that's a top reason why a lot of people come to Hawaii is because the beaches. So mm-hmm. Kahakai. Yeah. I'm going to the Kahakai in Kailua or Lanika or Kaoha or whatever. Yeah. I think just inserting words into your everyday speech, that's a way to normalize it, even when you're traveling. Some people, they don't want to think about learning or education when they're on vacation, but just know that any culture or any place you visit is a learning opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really all about how you posture yourself going into whatever culture you're traveling into. Exactly. Yeah. And I think traveling to Hawaii is its own culture, its own land. Yeah. And some people come in with the mindset that it's like just crossing the border to any other state on the mainland. And it's not. Exactly. Yeah. So a little bit different. But just like every other state, you know, every state has their own kind of history. Yeah. But Hawaii's history is very rich. It's very um, deeper. Exactly like you said, some people may not even know we have a language, an official language. But if you look a little bit deeper, if you take some time to research, go to the Iolani Palace, go to historical sites. It's not hard because <laughs> it's all it's all there for us. And even again, online, you can look. There's so many online resources for people to use. So 
but I, you know, for personally, mm-hmm. I know I can do more about sharing our culture, get the word out there. And that's, I guess that's my goal is just to share it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're doing an amazing job of doing your part as a whole, zooming out. Where do you see the language heading as far as it's reached? Do you just see it continually to, to grow? Yeah. As far as awareness and reach? Yeah. So people are say used to say that Hawaiian was dead. You know, there's no chance of it being brought back to life, having a resurgence. But I mean, look at where, where we are now. I don't want to say it's dead. I don't want to say we're even trying to rebuild. It's built. Mm-hmm. The foundation is set. So now, now what are we going to do? So what I would like to see is more ways of seeing the language normalized mm-hmm. on television and the news stations, social media, apps. And one of the cultures that I kind of compare or use examples is the um, New Zealand, the Maori language, Te Reo Maori, because they have a whole network dedicated to television programming, specifically in Te Reo Maori, Maori language. So I hope one day we can get there. And I think we can, you know, I think it's going to happen, but we just need more people to just go and make content and make programs and yeah, make ideas. So you have to take it and run and, and be an advocate of it. Exactly. I don't want people to just be complacent and be like, Oh, oh, it's living now. Oh, it's, you know, Hawaiian's fine now. <laughs> like, how are we going to make it go to the next level? Or how are we going to push our boundaries with the language? And there are ways that people are doing it now, including like kind of doing modernized songs in Hawaiian, you know, R&B, reggae, rap in Hawaiian. And I hope that catches on too, because that's going to target the younger audience. Yeah, the high school, teenage. Yeah. You made me think of Kimia Minor. And yeah, uh, yeah. she recently did a, well, recently, it was probably a year ago already, the, a lo- the Lullaby album, Yeah, you know, filled with very recognizable songs, but in Hawaiian. In Hawaiian, yeah. yeah. And that's a good example of, you know, normalizing because mm-hmm. these tunes we already are familiar with. We, we already know, don't worry about a thing. So uh-huh. we know the tune. If we can learn it in the language now, again, normalization. So mahalo kimi and the whole team. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Since we got you right now, I'd love to get some of your thoughts. Obviously, Hawaii has reopened to travel, trans-Pacific travel. And I think even Mm -hmm. now our Japanese friends are able to travel. Granted, going through the Safe Travels program, the state of Hawaii. We have this time right now that is, I think, very precious and maybe a time we may never have. And hopefully you don't have a a moment like this again with the whole pandemic and reopening and all that. But this term, travel pono, travel responsibly. I wanted to get your heart, how you would define that and how you would encourage people as they're planning their trip. You know, spring break is coming up and summer's coming up and the whole thing and people are excited to, yeah. you know, travel again, which is which is great. Yeah. But let's talk a little bit about what travel pono means and if you can help define that. Yeah. So um I guess we'll just start with the word pono. Pono just means to be just, to be righteous, to be in a right state of mind. And, you know, you hear that term a lot here in Hawaii because it's our state motto. I think when it comes in regards to travel, I think it's just very, you know, people think maybe, even me, I have this thought too. When I go on vacation, I'm on vacation. I paid all this money for vacation. I don't need to worry about a sign that says I cannot enter into this place because I'm on vacation. You know what? But I think now is even more of a, precious time for us to take care of our resources, take care of our cultural sites, and especially for tourists. When you come to Hawaii, make sure you do some research on where you can go, where you cannot go, 
And don't look at those kapu signs, kapu meaning forbidden. Don't take that for granted because some of these places that people are entering and trespassing into are literally kapu. And, you know, if you enter it, you may hurt the whole ecosystem, the landscape there. So take that into consideration when you plan your travels. Contact people, you know, contact the organizations that you want to go visit Mm -hmm. and say, hey, you know, how can we... Or what are other some sites that you recommend? Because that's a good way to get some recommendations is from the locals, especially. But yeah, don't just look at it as a vacation. Look at it as an educational opportunity. Look at it as a, a responsibility when you come travel to Hawaii, especially. But enjoy. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Soak it all in because being in Hawaii is, is a special feeling, you yeah. know. What you once you touch on the ground, you kind of feel that aloha spirit, you know. Mm-hmm. Your the load off your back is kind of lightened <laughs> a little because I don't know if it's the air that's it's here the or the yeah. wind's blowing. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Enjoy yourself, but again, be cognizant of the things going on around you and the, your environment and even the people. You know, I don't want to say this happens, but a lot of people may take advantage of the aloha spirit here in Hawaii. So maybe show that same aloha to a person, you know, because as you notice, you know, we're very like, Hey, how are you doing? I want to help you. We literally give the shirt Mm -hmm. off of our backs to people, but sometimes it may be taken advantage of. So yeah, just show that same aloha when you come to Hawaii, not only to the locals, but to other tourists, to Mm -hmm. um, your family members, to the land, especially to the water. That's another episode too. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) for sure yeah i I totally agree that humbly asking questions humbly yeah and not assuming can go a long way no matter where you whatever environment you go into yeah and questions you know it doesn't hurt to ask you may get a a response you're not expecting but again it's a learning opportunity so but also too to speak into that staying on trails obviously with all the recent flooding you know you just want to be mindful of trailheads what trails are open what trails are not and there's reasons for that because hawaii can be a very dangerous place definitely especially the surf is different the way the water moves and breaks it can be very Mm -hmm. unexpected so just being mindful of that is important yeah and i think there's enough warning and signs and news for people to be cognizant of where they are and their space but you know, sometimes again, we're like in a vacation mindset. We're yeah. like, oh, I can, I can surf that 30 right. foot wave, <laughs> you know, and then you have no fears and then yeah. you're stuck in a current. Yeah. 100%. Growing up in Southern California and frequently beaches like yeah. Huntington Beach or even Newport has a pretty gnarly shore break sometimes, but yeah, it's nothing compared to some of the beaches in Hawaii. So, yeah. I always see some stuff on the news that's like, oh, someone's caught in the current. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if we just think travel, bueno, right. take precautions, then we'll, we'll avoid those situations. Yeah. So a lot of people who travel are wanting to really, I think, experience the place that they're traveling to. Like, yes. yeah, you can get a good drink. You can stay at a great resort and you can do all, yeah. the, all the things like that's kind of like a given. Yeah. But I think a good majority of people are wanting to travel and really experience and, and learn the culture and learn about the place that they're traveling to. Yeah. If someone is traveling to Hawaii for the very first time, mm-hmm. what would you say to that person traveling for the very first time to Hawaii, how to truly experience Hawaii? So, you know, Waikiki is beautiful. 
there's a lot of positives. The beach is beautiful. The hotels are beautiful, but just know that there's not only a whole island to explore, there's five other islands that you can explore. Yeah, don't just think that you pay all this money just to stay at the resort, which I get, you know, some of these resorts are pricey, but just rent a car for a day and go drive out to the North Shore or go drive to Bishop Museum um, and experience those cultural things. You don't need to go to the beach every day. You can do a cultural... (laughs) You can do a cultural excursion one day. You can go see some sites one day. So yeah, don't just sip on your Mai Tais at the pool. There's <laughs> there's way more. I mean, shoot, might as well. You're here. Yeah, um, Might as well soak it all in. It goes for all the islands as well. One of my favorites is Hawaii Island, Big Island, because there's so much things you can do. Like, I think it was January last year. I went to see snow on Mauna Kea. I went to the beach. And then I went to go see the lava flow in Puna or the, you know, the new lava right, flow in Puna. Yeah. So it was like three different climates, three different environments all in one day. It was, it was the trippiest thing because where else can you do that? You know, where right. can you see snow beach? Yeah. It gives you chicken skin just thinking yeah. about it because, <laughs> you know, as a Oahu townie, I'm like, I thought that too. I was like, oh, my island is the best because we have a water park or we have the best <laughs> restaurants, but. The other islands, they got it going on. Yeah. Hey, Wet and Wild is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> okay, probably the most important question: where to eat? Maybe your your top like two spots to make sure you hit up. I thought you were going to say five. I got okay, five. You got five. Okay, can, let's do it. I can narrow it down. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Number one is Helena's, which is Hawaiian food, traditional Hawaiian food. Try the poi; it's delicious. Try the gray stuff. It's delicious. Okay. <laughs> um, so we have that one for sure. Another one is Liliha Bakery, which has some delicious, you know, local food, but their pastries are my favorite. Uh, the pies. Okay, that's number two. <laughs> number three, um, I'm trying to hit all the different cuisines <laughs> over here. <laughs> you know what? We'll just go with two. We're going to go with two? Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with two. Those are my two. And if I think of others, that'll be on the next episode. Yeah, you, you got to make sure you subscribe so you can get the last three. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So cool. But yeah, I think anywhere yeah. where you eat, even our McDonald's is different. So I don't want to I don't want to recommend a, going to McDonald's, yeah. but yeah. Span McMuffin. Yeah, that's a... Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Simon at McDonald's and Kalpia Pies. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Love it. Well, this is great. I, I truly appreciate you, what you're doing. Thank you. And your time, truly. So thank you yeah. so much for, for coming on Hawaii's Best today. Yeah, my no'uka'o ole, my pleasure. Uh, mahalo nui loa. Yeah, thank you so much. Aloha. Aloha. I just want to thank Kahaniwala for his time and for offering so much wisdom to this conversation. I'm excited for what the future could be. Um, with Hawaii's Best and Kaneola and just providing more culture insights to what Hawaii is all about. It's culture, it's people, and at the heart of that is its language. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm going to link all of the things that Kaneola mentioned in the show notes, his uh, social media accounts, where you can follow him. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, be well. Aloha. Thanks for listening to Hawaii's Best Podcast. To stay up to date on future episodes, be sure to subscribe. For more information to help you plan your next trip to Hawaii, visit hawaiisbesttravel.com.